Good morning. It's 9.30 on the button. It's Monday the 27th of April 2020, and this is Radio Blogging's Malamanda Monday. Wow! Yo, yo, what up? This is Lunch Money Lewis. Hey, I'm John Newman. Hey, what's up? This is Fergie Ferg. Woo! Keep this frequency clear. A children's radio blogging show broadcast into homes and schools across the world. Join Pi Corbett, Russell Prue, Ian Rocky, and David Mitchell live each weekday at 9.30 a.m. Online radio live blogging. This is radioblogging.net. A very good morning to you. My goodness, we have such an exciting show for you today. And all of this week, we're going to be running a very interesting writing competition. And more about that at the end of the week. Something you can all get involved in. We're all very excited about that. There's only one thing to do is to say, good morning, Prime Minister. Apparently he's back. Uh, Wouldn't that be nice as well? Hello and welcome to the show. This is what we've been doing while you've been away. Amazing. Welcome to Radio Blogging. If this is your first visit do not worry listener we will explain everything as we go through it uh, on the team we have the fabulous pi corbett deputy mitchell ian rocky russell prue and lots of other helpers who are in the background there approving your blog posts and everything more of that later on in the show uh, do get in contact with us we have a text service into our radio studio it's 07624 802 272 couple of texts already in thank you so much 07 7624-802-272. Texts are free from most UK mobile phones. Thank you so much indeed. If you want to tweet us at Radio Blogging, really simple. And if you want to send us an email, radioblogging at gmail.com. Here's my favourite bit of the show. Start the day with a slice of pie. This is radioblogging.net. And how are you this fine Monday morning, sir? I am very well up early crack of dawn because uh, I think I've told you before my son works in a care home so he has to get up very early so he gets in and does the tea round for his uh, for the old ladies a lot of them will be listening in good morning ladies and gentlemen and uh, the young master will have fed them their breakfast by now and they will all be in spanking condition and ready to listen to the show i've got the right socks on the right feet this morning i've made the bed i've had my porridge and gerald the mouse has not had a forage in the porridge he has not been seen overnight so we are a bit suspicious do you think he's gone down the end of the garden russell has he left me i hope not i hope not where's our story gonna go next well, I don't know, but uh, Russell is not... Uh, Russell is not... <laughs> Russell, that's a good one, isn't it? Gerald has now become Russell. <laughs> oh, Russell was a muscle and had a porridge, a porridge this morning. I don't know. We've had this mouse in the house for a pretty long time now. And as you know, I would like to liberate him. I think he's a field mouse. And I would like to liberate him into the garden. But he keeps coming back. And he is a pesty little thing. And the problem, of course, is now we've named him. Because if you remember, I have this habit of naming things. I have a pair of trousers called Frank. And of course, as soon as you name them, then it's very hard to get rid of them. So every now and then my wife tries to go through the cupboard and says, well, you don't need these. I say, you can't throw Frank out. I've had him for years. He lives in the cupboard, Frank. Anyway, enough of that tomfoolery. We are all ready to go. And this is a very special week because... As you know, Russell, up to now, we've had poets each day, but Friday has been uh, a story writer. And we've had Vashti Hardy, we've had S.F. Saeed, you know, some great writers uh, on here. 
And I suddenly thought last week, why don't we see if we can get a novelist, a children's writer on each day and have a whole week of story. And my plan is that we will grow a story over the week. So today, obviously, we're going to launch a story off. All the listeners, all the children, you're going to write a story opening today. And each day we'll add another bit on. So by the time we get to Friday, everybody will pretty much have written a whole story and then can tweak and polish it over the weekend. And each day we've got a great writer. And today we've got uh, Thomas Taylor, who wrote Malamanda. And I know a lot of you will have read that book. A lot of you will have had it as a class story. Um, it's Thomas's first book absolute edge of the seat stuff a little bit scary but two great characters main characters girl and a boy lovely lovely story as soon as i read that i thought this is one that's going to fall into the category of being a cracking class read so we will hear from thomas shortly but we always start our shows and if you've never joined us before this is what we do uh, uh, head teacher Ian, Rocky and I, we always play a few games. And the idea is if at home or in school, sit with your notebooks and pencils, make a few notes as we go along. And then once we've played the games, we have a musical interlude, maybe a few shout outs, and you can play the game in school or at home. So good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Pi. I'm very well. Thank you. Excited for this week. I think this week is going to be amazing. It's going to be really good. It is. It's going to be very, very interesting to hear from different different authors mm. about where they get ideas and how they work. Because I think writers, we've learned this from a lot of the poets, they do work in slightly different ways. Mm. Um, so let's warm ourselves up. And I know at the beginning of lessons, teachers often do a little bit of spelling work, don't they, or a little bit of grammar work. Yeah. And some days we've done some of that, but we've always done it in the guise of a creative activity, getting our imaginations going, having a little bit of fun with language. And the first one is actually good news, bad news. Now, we've played this before, but somebody tweeted me and said, that's our favourite game, and that's become a family game that we now often play. So let's play it again, because we may have got lots and lots of people who are new to us today. Good news and bad news. Now, we're going to link it um, to uh, um, the story... Malamanda. Now, Malamanda is set uh, on a place called Erie on Sea, and it's it's based on a little bit on, I suspect, um, where Thomas lives. So <clears throat> it's a seaside adventure. So, Ian, you start with something simple like we went to the seaside and you do the good news and I'll do the bad news. OK. OK, excellent. Here we go. So uh, we went to the seaside and the good news is the wind wasn't howling. The bad news is after a while, it turned to a bitter north wind uh, with hail in it. The good news is that the ice cream vendor was still open. The bad news is I brought an ice cream and dropped it on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> the good news is they still had plenty more to go around. The bad news is the chocolate flakes melted in the sun. The good news is that the sun came out and made a beautiful day. The bad news is it was so hot I got sunburned. <laughs> the good news is that I knotted a handkerchief to allow you to put it on your head and keep you safe. The bad news is 
My sister had blown her nose on that hand. <laughs> it was disgusting on my head. We're getting into the realms that I don't want to go. Thank you very much, sir. Oh, dear. Right, okay. Now, if, you, if, if it doesn't work, uh, you just start the whole thing all over again. And you can start with something like, I don't know, the good news is we went on a holiday in the aeroplane. And then you say the bad news is the aeroplane um, engines, I don't, I don't know, didn't work anymore. The good news is I had a parachute. The bad news is the parachute wouldn't open, etc. You need a starting point of some sort. So that's the good news, the bad news. And we love playing that one. And we're going to build on that a little bit. Now, today, the story that I'm going to create, I'm going to invite you to create is it has two characters who go on an airship. And that's for two reasons. The first reason was um, that Vashti Hardy's great book, Brightstorm, features two children who go traveling, exploring on an airship. So I had that in my mind. And I've got the idea of a sort of um, what they call a steampunk airship. So big sort of balloon thing. And then beneath it, this this space, this wooden space where um, wooden and metal space where um, you can fly along uh, and uh, wander around and you can sleep. And there might be a little place you can eat and things like that. Uh, the other reason uh, I, I've chosen airship for the adventure that we're going to launch our, our people on is because on Friday we got Peter Bunzel and of Cogheart fame, the Cogheart books. And he has um, airships in his book. So I thought, why don't we have an airship adventure? So we're going to do positive and negative. It's a bit like good news, bad news. Um, Ian's going to do a positive sentence. I will change it into a negative one. And we're going to have it on an airship. And then you're going to be imagining all the things from an airship that you can see or hear or touch or feel or imagine or wonder. And then I will put a butt in and so as to speak, and um, turn it negative if I can. Okay, right, let's start. So on an airship, you can see for miles. But when the clouds come in, you can only see a strange foggy mist. On an airship, you can hear the wonderful whir of the engines. But when the engines fail you can only hear the frightening sound of silence and the whooshing of the wind as the airship goes down on an airship you can smell the scent of the whale greased ropes mm. but you can also hear the terrifying twang as air pilots uh, air pirates slice the ropes Lovely. On an airship, you can touch the finely carved wooden beams. Beams? Beams. Look, I'm old. You have to speak clearly. I'm a bus pass. I've played this before many times. Beams. beams. Touching the wooden beams. Beams, yeah. Okay. But um, many of them are riddled with woodworm and crumbling. Oh, lovely. On an airship, you can feel the lightning speed of its motion. But you can also feel the lightning striking and exploding the balloon itself. And on an airship, you can imagine that you are lighter than air. Imagine you're lighter than air. But... <laughs> I can't think of anything. <laughs> I'm on radio. I failed again. 
<laughs> it's a funny thing, isn't it, isn't it, Ian? It because is, it is. as soon as you become aware of the audience and everybody listening, yeah. it actually makes it very, very hard to say things. Uh, your mind goes a terrifying blank. Good game, though, Pi. That was fun. That was good. Good game. Good game. I, do I feel like Bruce Forsyth sometimes? I feel like Good game, good game, play a game. Get everybody going, get everybody joining, play a game. So, everybody at home, we have good news, we have bad news. And then positive and negative, well, one of you starts a, a sentence off positively and the other one has to turn it around with uh, by using the word but. Da, 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 da. So, Russell, I think it's time everybody at home and in school played the games and we had some sort of musical interlude, perhaps. Indeed, we can manage that and that was the fabulous creative games play and try with ian and pie before we play uh, those uh, musical interludes there i thought perhaps we could have a listen to some of the audio padlets pie that we recorded over the weekend and our listeners yeah. did as well which are so good as well i know i've got some great music for you so don't worry we won't get away without playing music there will be some music there and of course it's uh, it's uh, muppet monday isn't it so do expect mm-hmm. that sometime in the show but i thought we'd just get to these pie because these are just stunning as well this is amelia and she did a spaceship for sale <laughs> to buy my spaceship are you bored of planet earth would you like to go on an adventure i am sailing my spaceship as it's too small for me now my spaceship is amazing with colorful doors and rainbow windows you can fly up to space where you can see sparkling stars and precious planets fantastic news my spaceship comes with a bed as bouncy as a kangaroo. The most magnificent news of all time is that my spaceship has a fridge filled with sweets and goodies. A note of warning, aliens sometimes try and jump through the little glass window at the top. Make sure you lock it before you leave Earth. If you would like to buy my splendid spaceship, for 50 chocolate chip cookies. Please call 01234567789. Well, what do we think? I loved it. It was great. It was very funny, very witty. She even got a fridge, and I like the I like the cost of it. Um, and and she was sensible enough at the end to give an invented uh, phone uh, number because it would be obviously silly to give your own phone number, and we don't do that on the radio because everything is safe for the children. We have moderators who check absolutely everything. But Russell, I loved that, and it was read so clearly, wasn't it? Yes. I could hear every single word. Beautifully done and very funny too. Loved it. Have we got another one? We have. And I love the reasons for sale there. It's too small. <laughs> it's, and that's very clever. Very clever. Here's Chloe with her airship for sale. Good morning, everybody. I'm Chloe and I'm here with my hamster Pippin to advise you to buy the brand new airship. Have you ever dreamed of owning your own airship? If so, listen up. This beautiful ship will come with heated seats, a personalised steering wheel, perfect for your grip, and painted in your choice of colour. Pippin, it's your line. Pippin, it's your line. If you are interested, call 0757. Get your hands on our while you can for an amazing price of 9,000 English pounds. Have fun gliding across the sky. 
I love the reluctant hamster. <laughs> I, th- I think we've had Pippin on before. But well, I think last time he yes. didn't say anything either. No, <laughs> a mute hamster. Yeah, Just what we want. Yeah, we love him. Pippin, he could make friends with Gerald. Very nice idea as well. Yeah. And we'll be talking to an author later this week who has a character with an animal, which is very interesting. And I wonder whether this person's red head. And that would be very, very clever indeed. Last one, Pi. Amy and Gabby, their Sky High 2000 advert. This is my favourite from the selection. Are you an intrepid explorer who suffers terribly from seasickness? or perhaps an adventurer who has become fed up of the long journeys on foot. Perhaps you're a trailblazer who is tired of endless travels on horseback. If so, listen up, we've got exactly what you are looking for. Yes, it is the all new Sky High 2000, the fully handmade, purpose-built, amazing airship. This airship comes in a, a variety of colors, including polar bear white, Wolf Grey, Panther Black and Starlight Silk. Whichever you choose, we guarantee you will be 100% satisfied with the Sky High 2000 airship. Order now and receive a free gift of a tin of Marshall's Marvellous Moustache Wax, the best seller for all British adventurers. Ladies who do not own a moustache have the option of a sealskin coat keep them warm and stylish while in the air. Not only will you receive this, but also a gift hamper worth 149 farthings. In the wicker basket, you will find a tin of the finest whale blubber, a box of crystallised ginger, handmade by fairies, a tin of Samson's luxury spam and a bottle of champagne to toast your best moments in the air in your Sky High 2000 airship. Warning! The cheaper version with hydrogen is highly flammable and may result in death. Warning, do not let wood rot, may result in death. Always read instructions, price on arrival. Do you love that? Absolute free gift of moustache. (laughs) (laughs) That was amazing, wasn't Wasn't it? it? I love the way we got two voices as well. Yes that don't we yes so the interplay of the voices it was very funny as well and i like the way they bigged everything up they made everything sound really really special uh, and uh yeah that was performed beautifully i could hear every single word as well that was really creative really funny witty what great stuff and that gets the show off to a cracking start today now We've done that, and we are ready, I think, almost to hear from Thomas, uh, the author of Malamander, and he's got a new book coming out soon. But before we get into that, I just want to make sure that we're all on the right page, Russell. So, folks, you're, you're logged on to radioblogging.net, and on the menu bar right at the very top of the page, you need to be clicked on to today's show. And then you scroll down, and you will see just above the, where it says Activity 1, and there's a little picture of a landscape, you will see it says Thomas Taylor response. Now, if you click on that, it'll take a moment because that little blue line has to go across the top. In I go. And this is what we call a Padlet, an amazing looking, I don't know what that is, whether it's a design or actually uh, a photo of of, um, sand dunes or something. But anyway, there is what we call a Padlet. Now, in a minute, Thomas is going to read Uh, and um, a section from um, his book. Uh, And then Russell and I have a brief discussion, and then we will have the interview. 
um, with Thomas about uh, his writing. And we like to give our authors a response. So this is the response padlet. And we're going to respond to the reading. We're also going to respond uh, to the interview, to what he says about writing. So <clears throat> in order to do that, you click on, if you can see in the bottom right-hand corner, a small pink circle with a plus mark. You click on that. Up comes a box. It says title. Title is where we put our name. Everybody needs to... Uh, we all need to know who said what. Uh, that's important. So you write your name in and then you put the cursor down where it says write something. Click on there and I'm now ready to write. But of course, I can't write anything yet because I haven't heard the reading. So when Thomas has done the reading or as he's doing the reading, listen really careful, carefully to it. And then we give a response. What do we like about it? What did it make us imagine? How did it hook us in? Do we have any questions we'd want to ask? Sometimes people write lines that are very similar to the lines that they've heard. They sort of imitate, they sort of have a bit of a go at the same sort of thing. So all sorts of different ways in which we could respond to the reading. Then we'll have a pause. Russell and I have a quick chat and then we'll have the interview. And during the interview, I'd like you to post up uh, on uh, the response padlet to post up Things that you're picking up from what Thomas says about writing. Things that we're learning about writing from the interview. So, Russell, I think we're ready to hear Thomas's reading. This is radioblogging.net, broadcasting live across the planet. Well, hello, my name is Thomas Taylor and I'm the author of Malamanda, which is a spooky, magical a seaside adventure story set in the fictional town of Erie on Sea and inspired a, a little bit by the uh, town where I actually live on the south coast of England. And um, its sequel is coming out very soon. It's going to be called Gargantis. That's published uh, in the beginning, the beginning of May. Uh, but for now, I'm just going to read the first chapter of Malamanda and uh, see what you think of that. Erie on Sea. You've probably been to Erie on Sea without ever knowing it. When you came, it would have been summer. There would have been ice cream and deck chairs and a seagull that pinched your chips. You probably poked about in the rock pools with your mum while your dad found that funny shell, remember? And I bet that when you got in the car to drive home, you looked up at the words cheery on sea, written in light bulb letters over the pier, and got ready to forget all about your day at the seaside. It's that kind of place in the summer. But you should try being here when the first winter storms blow in, when the letters C and H blow off the pier, as they always do in November. When sea mist drifts up the streets like vast ghostly tentacles, and saltwater spray rattles the windows of the Grand Nautilus Hotel. Few people visit Erie on Sea then. Even the locals keep off the beach when darkness falls and the wind howls around more rocks and the wreck of the battleship Leviathan where even now some swear they have seen the unctuous malamander creep. But you probably don't believe in the malamander. You maybe think there's no way a fish man can be real. And that's fine. Stick to your ice cream and deck chairs. This story probably isn't for you anyway. In fact, do yourself a favour and stop reading now. Close this book and lock it in an old tin box. Wrap the box in a heavy chain and throw it off the pier. Forget you ever heard of Erie on Sea. Go back to your normal life. Grow up, get married, start a family. And when your children can walk, take them for a day at the seaside too. In the summer, of course. Stroll on the beach and find a funny shell of your own. Reach down and pick it up, only 
it's stuck to something, stuck to an old tin box. The lock has been torn off and the chain is gone. Can the seed do that? You open the box and find that it's empty. Nothing but barnacles and seaweed and something else, something like slime? You hear a sound behind you, a sound like footsteps coming closer, like slimy, flippery footsteps coming closer. You turn around. What do you see? Really? Well, maybe this story is for you after all. This is radioblogging.net, here for you every weekday at 9.30am. Wow, I loved it. Mm, yeah, it draws you in, doesn't it? He reads it well. Uh, and um, I love the way that what he's done is he's used a setting, he used a place that he knows really, really well. And then we've got, <clears throat> but you should try coming here in winter. So he's built up the summer. We know what it's like being, I don't know, in the park or being at the seaside or whatever outside um, in the summer. But you should try the winter. And then the idea of the box and the way the box returns at the end and you open it up and then you hear the sound behind you of uh, obviously what's going to be this fish man, the malamander coming towards you. Yeah, really enjoyed that. So what we need to do by now, I know lots of you who have been with us uh, before will be putting up your responses on the Padlet. So you write in your little box and then when you've, and it's important to double check, double check that you've got your capitals full stops, you've written what you wanted to say. And when that sentence is as good as it can be, then just move your cursor over onto the Padlet, click on it, and um, it will then say something like waiting for approval. And Mr. Mitchell will be reading through every single one that's put up, just to double check, and they will start to appear on there. And Thomas will be able to, because I know he's listening this morning, he will be able to read those responses about his story. Now, Russell, you also had uh, an interview as well, didn't you, about um, his writing. And I think when we listen or as we listen to this, we could also put on the Padlet um, points, things that we're learning about writing, thing, ideas that we're getting from Thomas about writing. And that's the end of chapter one. I loved it. I absolutely loved it, Thomas. You've pulled me in. I I'm, I'm have to admit, I'm, I'm not familiar with your work, but I am now and I love it. Only a, a few of us ha are so lucky to live uh, by the coastline. It always has an, an air of, of magicalness for me as well. As a writer, can I ask, how do you pull your, your readers in so tightly, so quickly in the book? Well, I always think it's very important to find some way, some point of connection with the reader, if at all possible, to try and find something that they can latch onto that's, that's familiar for them. So, for example, lots of writers feel like you should start in the middle of the action. But I think if you just jump into the action, there's a risk that there's nothing there for the reader to, to latch onto. They don't know what's happening yet. They, they don't know who the characters are. Um, they've got no point of, of, of um, commonality with the story. So I like to try and start off by sort of saying something that the reader um, will, will find familiar and understand. So I start off this story by, by saying, you've probably been to Erie on Sea without ever knowing it, because everyone's been for a day at the seaside. Um, so that's, that's the technique I use, trying to find something almost like piggyback off a real memory that somebody, I, I'm fairly certain everyone will have, and try and build on that, rather than just sort of start off um, in the middle of something where, where it's not yet familiar for them. Indeed, and then you very cleverly flipped it 
it into the time when it isn't so popular and there aren't ice cream sellers. And that, for me, was very clever. Thank you. Well, that's, that's, so that's spent an awful lot of time on that first chapter trying to, to really hone it and, and make it work as a, a kind of um, conveyor belt into the story so that once you start reading, you just get drawn in. That's, that was the plan, anyway. What a lovely um, uh, set of conveyor belt. How, how gorgeous is that? Oh, that's just perfect. Um, I, I'm in so in awe of you writers. You do such an amazing job. and It's such a, a, a brilliant skill you have. C- can I ask you some more about how long did you work disproportionately on chapter one than the rest of the book? Is, it, is that the real important bit, the most important chapter? Yes, um, I would say so. Uh, I mean, the chapter two... Um, starts. My name's Herbert Lemon, by the way, and and that and it introduces the main character. And I did originally think about starting there, just starting um, with the character introducing himself. But this this other first chapter that I eventually wrote started life as a kind of prologue, um, almost as a taster to try and see if I could um, uh, sort of I you, you, like a conveyor belt to pull the uh, reader in. But in the end, I decided no, I'd just make it a chapter in its own right. And, and really sort of work on it and polish it. And, uh, uh, yes, yeah, the piece of writing I probably spent most time on in the book, I would say. Well, a good investment, I have to say, because it worked for me, <laughs> I have to say. I'm so getting a copy. I'm so getting a copy. Uh, we're asking all our guest authors about their note-taking, their observational writing, their journals, their diary, or a notebook. What do you have? Well, I'm, a, I'm an illustrator originally, so I, I'm used to having sketchbooks. Um, but often just scraps of paper. But I often draw before I write, um, often have ideas in visual form first, and so I might do a sketch. Um, but I do try to always have a piece of paper on me if I can, because I'm very good at having an idea while I'm walking the dog, for example, and then forgetting it when I get home. So I do try to have something in my pocket uh, to write on. Um, but my notes usually end up being quite a mess, and a big pile of mess uh, by the time I'm starting to write. So I've... Uh, got a huge mound of loose papers or we say if you're the only person who's going to read it that can be as messy as you like really <laughs> that's not yes you have permission when you're a writer to be yeah. as messy as you like really yes yeah. i do and can you ju- can i just press you a little bit further on that let me into your sketchbook what are the things you draw what so so for that opening if you had an entry in your journal your sketchbook what would that have been well i think i actually did draw the the old tin box that i mentioned i did draw a box and eventually when i um came to, to provide small illustrations for the actual book of Malamander. Uh, I did draw um, on, on chapter one, there's a small drawing at the top, and that is actually a, a refined drawing of the, the kind of sketch I, I did in my sketchbook. Um, but often it's characters, so um, there are quite some quite gaudy characters in the story, and I, I often sketch them while I'm trying to work out what they, what they are like, what, they, what, they, well, what their motivations are. I often sketch them. Um, and I keep those sketches to myself. I don't usually show this even to my editor, but uh, it just helps me to feel like the characters are real somehow if I've, if I've drawn them myself. I think you're the first author I've spoken to in our, our series of work here on Radio Blogging who's actually illustrated the book themselves. Often that goes out to a, a third party and you have no control. It's interesting that this almost seems as if the illustration is forming the words. Yes, yeah, sometimes. I mean, I did start often start with a vision of how something will look. And people have often said when, they, when they've read Malamanda that it, they can see it really clearly and they, they, um, they get a strong sense of where, where people are. And, and I, I'm pleased about that because I do tend to have these sort of visions of 
how a scene will look um, before I've started writing it. Amazing. Well, I think, I think my, my imagination is quite cinematic, I think. I think that would be fair to say of lots of young people because they've they've grown up in that cinematic, that online, that TV, that uh, that kind of all visual, and it's nice for us to kind of pair it back into spoken word and real radio. It's nice to get back to some of those basics, and I think we're having great success with that. Uh, Thomas, you've got an extra fan here. I have to say, you're on the Christmas oh, card you. list. I absolutely <laughs> love that, and I feel we've really learnt something very special from you today, Thomas Taylor. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Russell. This is radioblogging.net, broadcasting live across the planet. Wow. What what a great um, and insightful interview. Really, really interesting. I love that idea, and I think it's something that we could all be thinking about um, in our writing, our work uh, that we're doing, children are doing at home and in school. That whole business of some preparatory time. I know Frank Cottrell Boyce talked about this and Michelle Paver talked about how uh, Frank was talking about how if he was doing a story on robots, he would um, spend time creating a scrapbook where he would draw robots or make notes or find out information about them so that um, uh, when he came to write, his eye, his head was buzzing with bits of information. And I know that Michelle Paver, if you remember, uh, Russell, she she travelled to visit wolves and go to the actual settings where the stories were going to take place so that she could um, bring the book alive and make it as real as possible. And that whole business of drawing before writing, drawing the characters, drawing the setting, I think that's um, that's really, really interesting. What What struck you during that interview? Um, how he's so visual he's i think he's the first person that we've spoken to who also has a visual background but he saw the whole book almost as a movie in his head before he penned it and i've not had that before with any of the interviews we've mm. we've had as well and mm. i mean he comes from a, a a cinema making a filmmaking background there's there's lots of that in his family so mm. you can say that he's probably grown up in a um uh, in a household that does mm. that kind of stuff but what also struck me was he's a big reader and we've heard mm. that time and time and time again mm. you want to mm. be a good writer you need to be a good reader yeah because the reading partly is partly because of the reading builds the imagination doesn't it when you read when i read flat stanley um <laughs> since then i've had a very thin person called stanley inside my imagination <laughs> it makes your imagination um a bigger place i've also got gerald in there now as well so we build our imagination through our experiences but of course also through our artistic experiences through reading um that i always think the mind is a bit like the tardis it's a bigger place inside than it is from the outside. Your brain looks quite small, presumably, from the outside. But inside, there's there's all sorts going on there. And a lot of that comes through uh, reading. Now, my Padlet is doing something very strange. And I don't, I'm not a technical person, as you know, Russell. But mine is completely blank. But what I've discovered, underneath the Padlet, it says, click here to view the Padlet full screen. And if I click here, you know that little blue line that goes along the top of the screen? That goes along and bingo, up comes the Padlet. And I can now see, that's called apparently, um, when it goes along the top, you are refreshing the page. And I can now see that Thomas has <laughs> very kindly, he's listening in, he's put up, uh, what does he say? 
Um, hello, great show so far. Even my bit. I'm ready to answer any questions that come my way. So um, if you've got a question, um, jot it up on there. And oh, I can see lots and lots of comments here uh, about the reading, Thomas. Um, and Thomas will have a go. He'll have to use your name. Um, so um, Chloe has got a couple of things up here. Actually, I like how you how you told the readers to lock the book. Zoe, I love the way it was read and the tension was really well built up at the end when the tin was found again. I, I, that's exactly how I felt about it, um, Zoe. Um, Agatha, I love it. The rhythm went really well with the writing. Absolutely awesome. That is interesting, isn't it? The way in which how we read things helps to emphasize the meaning. It's not just the words, but it's the way um, the sound of the words goes with the meaning. So if you've got a question for Thomas, pop it on there and no doubt he'll have a go at answering your question. Well, that's the reading response um, padlet and it's got us right into the whole business of thinking about opening our stories. And if we come back out to the main screen, we can go to activity one and activity one is that um, padlet which has got on it um, uh, fields and roads and villages as seen from the airship. Now, my Padlet is completely blank, but I know I can, where it says underneath it, it says click here, and I'm clicking on there, and then it will appear full screen with any luck, and then the same business. I can click in the bottom right-hand corner on the pink circle with the plus mark in it, and I'll be able to pop up um, my piece of writing. And what I'm going to imagine here is, um, what can you see? What can you hear? What can you what, what are you thinking as you are on the airship, this steampunk airship? So you're sailing along, you're looking down and um, you're able to see the landscape below. You've got the wind in your face, your heart beating a little bit. You set off on an exploration and um, uh, you're moving along. So the idea is we're going to write sentences now. At the moment, um, David is seeing, oh, mine's come up. It took quite a long time for it to come up, but it has popped up, folks. So I'm very, very happy because I was beginning to wonder whether we needed to ask Deputy Mitchell what's going on. It's popped up and I can see, I can. I know you're listening in. So I'm terribly happy to see this. So I've clicked on that little pink circle. It says title. I put my name in Pi. It says write something. And it says on an airship, you can see here fields. I'm imagining You've got, and I, that was what Thomas was saying, really, that writing is a visual thing. You have to see it happening in your head. So if we're going to have our main characters on an airship, we need to actually be there on the airship with them and see the story unfolding. So I'm going to put a sentence. I'm going to go on an airship, comma, on an airship. You can, you can see the fields below set out like a quilt, like a quilt, like a patchwork pat, patchwork quilt with roads, with roads, weaving them together, full stop. And remember, everybody, reread it, double check. Have you got that capital letter and full stop? Make sure you've got the right words in the right order. You've not missed anything out. 
um, on an airship, you can see the fields below set out like a patchwork quilt with roads weaving them together. I'm pleased with that. So I'm going to click elsewhere on the Padlet and bingo, it says awaiting approval. And as we speak, David, uh, you presumably you are now seeing hundreds of sentences appearing on that Padlet. I am indeed. Yes. Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm, I kind of feel like I'm sat in a dark room hoping for no technical issues. We've had a couple of uh, speed issues this morning with Padlet. So if you've uh, some of you may have seen that it's running a bit slow, stick with it. It is working eventually. And I can see, yes, now hundreds coming. Pi, I'm trying to find yours um, so I can put that up first so people can see it. So I'm just going to find that, approve that. Then I'm going to start the process of reading through everybody's and approving those. So you might have to wait a minute or so. You'll be able to refresh the page um, just to be able to see yours pop up. But I can report things seem to be working fine now, Pi. Oh, great. Uh, uh, so everybody... Get your sentences up, and every now and then you have to refresh the page. So to do that, you go right to the very top of your screen where it says um, radioblogging.padlib.org uh, or something like that. And then uh, look to the right. You can see that um, semicircle with a little arrow on it. If you click on that, the blue line at the top will eventually go right across, and it refreshes the page. And bingo, suddenly, from looking at next to nothing, you get hundreds of Padlets appear. Um, it sometimes takes a little bit of uh, time. Um, if it comes up with some sort of error or something like that, just go back, start all over again uh, from the original one, and eventually it will come up. So I've just refreshed mine. So just keep adding them on, noting things in your notebook. We've got two up here. Rowan, the air rushes. Can hear the swooping of birds, feel the wind nipping my ripply face, see a lush tropical sunset on the horizon. And I can imagine flying into the dark aroma of the ebony mist covering the planet. Fiona, I can see houses from a high up view high up in the crystal blue sky. I can hear the airship rushing through the clouds. I can feel sweat forming in my palms. I can imagine that I'm an elegant bird flying in the sky. So uh, we like those. Fiona, you can nip back, uh, both Fiona and Rowan. Fiona, if you nip back, Put your cursor over it and a little box will appear with three dots in it. Click on that and you can edit because I can see not one, not two. You know what I'm going to say now, don't you? Not three, but three full stops that you need to pop in. It's because when we're making things up, our brain is focusing on the words and the story, the composition. So very often we do make silly mistakes with things like spellings. That's why we like to edit. That's why we like to go back, double check. And we can do a little bit of tweaking and editing. So everybody else is adding their new ideas. But if you put one up, just double check it. And of course, take time to read other people's um, as well. Russell, I think while we're doing all of this, partly because also the Padlets are taking a little bit of time, have we got time now for a, a bit of music? We certainly have, and it's what you're expecting, I have to say. I think we're just overwhelmed by listener numbers are off the scale today. We've attracted a huge audience today. Hello and welcome, and thanks so much for stopping by. It's a great lesson. I hope you're thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, Thomas was absolutely stunning, and I hope you're learning some great stuff. Here's some time for you to catch up and to write some more writing and to think about this it's Muppet Monday what else could we be playing radio blogging bringing unique learning opportunities every day you're listening to Russell Prue, Pi Corbett 
Deputy Mitchell and Ian Rocky. What better way to start your day? Oh, we just love that song. It's the only one that gets Pie's feet tapping. He loves that. Absolutely loves that. And we know they're tapping because we can hear them tapping on the background. It's 16 minutes past 10 and you're listening to week six of Radio Blogging Amazing. And a very good morning to these folks who very kindly dropped us a text message. Hope homeschooling boys, uh, hoping, sorry, homeschooling boys and girls from P5, P6, Scale Mori Primary School be tuning in today. So do we. Looking forward to the Cogheart theme at the end of the week. Just read the book. It was excellent. Thank you, Mrs. Eltringham. You are very welcome. Thank you so much indeed. Hello from Barleyfields Primary School in Ingleby Barrick, um, or Berwick. I hope I got that right. Uh, hello to you as well. Hello to everyone on uh, Twitter. It's absolutely amazing. We know we've got loads of listeners. You can see by the measure here. Uh, Kill, uh, sorry, Kim uh, McCaw, uh, McCalmont. Thank you. Hello. Uh, what a cracking good opening to the book. Uh, it's in uh, one of my pile, and I'll be coming to the top immediately. You should. It's a brilliant book as well. I couldn't I couldn't recommend it. Michelle Robertson, hello to you. Thank you so much indeed. I want to say hello to Ruben, who's doing some work outside this morning. Well, enjoy as much as you can because it's nice. It's going to get a little wet a little later on. Uh, hello to uh, Telltale Books. Hello to you as well. Thanks for the mention. Uh, to Sham K. Hello to you as well. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all of your tweets. I'm looking. James Walker, hello. Um, he is listening as well. Always good. We love it when the authors and the poets are listening to us. A very good morning to Joe Pierce, one of our regular listeners there, and to Maria Richard hello to you as well uh, to Effie and friends hello to you thank you so much for us and Brian Moses thank you my goodness we are a cornucopia of um, poetry experts today thank you so much indeed for your messages Ian what do you have for us thanks so much Russell yeah plenty over here as well good morning to Wilfred really lovely to hear from you also Sachin thank you regular listener getting in touch Julia from Daventry nice to hear from you as well also Adi from Warren Road Agatha who is super excited for today's show wants a shout out for Daisy and Molly consider it done Lily from Minehead good morning to you thank you for getting in touch Miss Little a returning listener as well saying good morning to everybody including Mrs Marin and Miss Anna and all the lovely children at Stone with Woodford Isabel would like a shout out for all her friends in dolphins at the abbey in daventry absolutely no problem mrs murray good morning saying to hello to mrs hughes and mrs carson and all the year fives and sixes isla would like a shout out for her friends at st john's primary krista as well saying a shout out and also axel uh we've also had some uh, a text come in this morning already uh mrs neeson good morning looking forward to another exciting week of creative writing can you please say hi to everyone from st michael's primary school in port glasgow absolutely can no problem at all we've also had an email on radioblogging at gmail.com from dh really like the shows and you would like the shout out you really enjoyed trolls week as well yes i know seems such a long time ago but it was a fabulous week Sachi, good morning. Lovely to hear from you again saying, yay, this is so fun. I love radio blogging and have been listening from the start. I remember you listening from the start. Absolutely well done indeed. Wilfred says, what a lovely start to the week. Well, thank you very much. Ella has been in touch as well saying, hi, radio blogging. Can you give a shout out to Mrs. Scott, who is retiring this Thursday? Because of lockdown, we haven't been able to celebrate everything she has done for the school. Happy retirement, Mrs. Scott from Oaksy primary in Wiltshire. I know Oaksy primary very, very well. Thank you so much. 
Ella for getting in touch. And Mrs. Scott, you take care. Uh, and this is exactly why we are here for you to communicate and get in touch and get messages out there. Lorraine Harrison, thank you, Lorraine, for getting in touch as well. Also a regular listener and a great supporter of radioblogging.net. What a great message from Thomas Taylor. You can sketch before you write. It helps. I always encourage children to sketch what they see here, experience as they listen to the teacher reading a story. Great show. Thanks. You are very welcome. And just very quickly, a few from the page. Uh, we've, already got, we've had 75 uh, bits of communication already. May need to run some of these over to this afternoon show. Poppy has been in touch from St. Paul's School. So has Rebecca. Uh, Miss F has been here as well this morning. Mrs. Hughes at St. Michael's in Stoke Gifford. Alan Sherman says, hi, Pi. James, do you remember me? Always remember you, James. We remember everybody. Uh, and he's got a shout out for Ivy Lane School. Advaith says, hi, can't wait for today's show. Uh, Lucy is a second week listening. Please can I have a shout out? Yes, you can. And finally, for now, Jessica would like a shout out to my school, Barley uh, Fields Primary in Ingleby, Barwick, uh, which may well be one that Russell read out just now. Uh, that's all from me for now. I'll come back with a few more a little bit later. But for now, back to Pi Corbett. I can see. Uh, thanks, uh Thanks, um, Ian. Yes, I can see on the on the airship padlet, I can see lots of, of uh, ideas coming in there and a um, little bit slow this morning. Um, and that's because Thomas Taylor is far too popular. Um, we have thousands of people who are logging in. And of course, everything that goes up has to be read by our moderators um, first of all. St. Michael's, Mrs. Hughes, I can see cars like ladybirds crawling over the countryside. Uh, I know exactly what you mean. I like that image of the ladybirds. That's a nice one. Anthony, on an airship, I hear the rumbling groan of the engine and the whirring of the propellers and tuning into the sounds. And of course, it's those sort of sensory details that bring the whole thing um, alive. Now, uh, where are we? 1021. We better go down to comments corner. So just below the airship padlet, keep adding your ideas in there. Uh, click on comments corner, that rectangular, that orange rectangular box. And if you click on there, the blue line will take some time. Um, we have a, a little bit of paragraph polishing. David, how are things going this morning? Hi, Pi. Uh, really good. Yes, I think we've been uh, overwhelmed, haven't we, with the numbers involved. Mm. Uh, Padlets, just so you all know, you can keep coming back to those Padlets. I am seeing them all. It's just a little bit bumpy in terms of me being able to approve them, but they're all coming up. I can see them all. I'll get on with that once we've finished comment corner. Um, so, yes, like Pi said, from the Today's Show section, you can go down and click on um, where it says comment corner, it'll take you into a page there where we're going to focus on just for a few minutes here. Um, and before we tackle a couple of sentences that Pi is going to uh, have a have a go at improving or discussing, I just want to give a, a few shout outs to some comments that have come in uh, over the for over the course of the weekend, really from Friday. So we've got a few. Um, Ian, I think you've got a couple you can kick off with. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much, David. Uh, so Mr. Sands from Ebor Academy, a wonderful comment to Charlotte and also uh, Carla's comment to Krista. We love peer commenting and feedback. And, and there was a great question in it as well. And that's what comments can develop. Comments can really develop a dialogue. They can develop a conversation, um, but they can also support both as a peer. And also if, if you're an adult supporting a, a young person, they can really support the work that they're doing, can't they, David? 
They can indeed, yes. And um, what just for all the adults listening and teachers, uh, like we said before, all the comments that are coming in are pre-read first. Nothing goes live on this site without it being approved first by a teacher. And we also have a, a whole squad, I'm calling them our squad, of commenters, some teachers and people involved in education who volunteered to come and spend some time each day leaving comments for children. So I'll put a little call out here. If you're listening to this today and you're involved in education, please just send me a tweet or get in touch with the show if you're interested in spending five minutes a day leaving comments for children because it makes a huge difference. And a couple more we've got here that, that are linked together as well. We've got Mrs. Pierce, who's a great fan of the show and who comes in every day and leaves comments, who left an amazing comment, well, loads of amazing comments, that have been uh, been approved there. Thank you so much, uh, Mrs. Pierce, for that. And Luke, who I think Luke is um, up in uh, near Lancaster, I think, up in the north of England. Um, he left a comment that was a reply to Mrs. Pierce, which um, he left a, a complete redraft of his work in a fresh comment. And I know what Luke has probably done is he's used the copy and paste function. He's replied to Mrs. Pierce. He's He's copied and pasted his original blog post into his comment and made a few of the changes there and said and replied to Mrs. Pierce saying, well, what do you think about this? And has put it back in there for some more comments. So when it comes to redrafting, copy and paste is our friend. Um, so that's great. So well done. Keep those comments coming. And if you are interested in volunteering and helping out with leaving comments, please get in touch with myself or through the show Um on the comment there, that'll be fantastic. So, Pi, when we look at the website where we've clicked on Comments Corner, mm. uh, we've got a couple of things there labelled one and two. Mm. Um, we've got a sentence there saying the whirling, swirling, curling, twirling, cold, icy, freezing, frosty snow fell, and there's one underneath. I wonder whether you can comment on these for us in terms of improving these and what we could do to make them better. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? If you look at that first one, we could instantly see this is a case of overwriting. And um, it's we go through a phase, I suppose, very often um, in year two, where our teachers encourage us, encourage children to use adjectives. Lots have got to have an adjective in there. But of course, if you use too many, it just sounds daft. Um, and if you use ones that mean the same thing, that sounds just as silly. I mean, cold, icy, freezing and frosty all mean the same sort of thing. So don't, what can we learn from this? Don't use too many because they clash against each other and they reduce the effect. The second point, I suppose, is don't use adjectives that mean the same sort of thing. And the third one is, do you need one anyway? Now, there is a difference between writing story, I think, and writing poetry. When you're writing poetry or poetically, as we were doing a lot last week, very much the focus is on crafting the words. But I think when we're writing story, I would say focus on telling the story onto the page. Sort of say it aloud in your head or mutter it aloud as you are writing it and focus on the story. Because you can always go back and tweak and polish the language afterwards. I mean, that sentence might be, um, might be completely effective if we just say the snow fell. And maybe that's all you actually need. So just compare that. If I say the snow fell 
or the whirling, swirling, curling, twirling, cold, icy, freezing, frosty snow fell and you could instantly hear that you don't really need all those words. Apart from anything else, snow is cold. So why are you telling me that it's cold? I remember years ago, we were writing, we were doing a workshop where we were writing about candles and candle flames. And this child wrote the candle flame, the hot candle flame. And I stopped the class and said, why am I worried about that? And after a bit, a little boy put his hand up and he said, because they're all hot. And he's absolutely right. They're all hot. So why are you telling me they're hot? It's a bit like saying the white snow. It is white. So choose words with care. And um, when you're writing story, focus on the story, the flow of the story. Let's have a look at the second one. Everyone knows what the park looks like in summer. Remember, ducks on the pond, children on the swings and somebody chucking a frisbee. Usually it's a great place to be. Now, imagine that, David, as the beginning of a story. And what we're doing here is something rather like Thomas was talking about, how we are luring the reader in by using something familiar. Everyone knows what the park looks like in summer. Remember, ducks on the pond, children on the swings and somebody chucking a frisbee. I there are no adjectives in there at all, but it tunes us all in. And then we've got what I call a hook. Usually it's a great place to be. And David, in that sentence, that last sentence, which is the word which is hooking you in, which is making you wonder, uh-oh, what's going to happen? Um, usually. It is, isn't it? It's setting up the next bit. It's making the reader think, well, usually it's the park is okay, but da -dum, da -dum, da -dum, oh, no. what is going to happen? So that's a little hook. So at the beginning, we've got Thomas's idea of... Um, drawing everybody in by starting with the familiar, and then you need something to hook them in. And that's a little usually uh, word there can do the job um, for us. Folks, we're nearly at half past. If you come out of comment corner, and again, if you want to go back, refresh the padlets, you'll see lots and lots of sentences um, popping up. But I think it, well, let's just try that. Um, let me just try going into the airship padlet. So I click on that thing there. I didn't know about refreshing a page. It's oh, cracky. <laughs> yes, lots and lots of suddenly appeared. I love it when they spring up, David. It really, it, I, find that I still find that incredibly exciting. Um, Catherine, far away in the distance, I spot the deepest green spiky forest reaching high into the smoky, wispy clouds. Now, have a real think there, Catherine. You've got deepest green spiky forest. Which one do you think? He's adding something new, adding something extra there that is really uh, needed. Ethan Blair, I can see the miniature houses that are far below me. I can hear the airships roaring and the whistling wind. I can feel the cold breeze and the crisp air. Tony, the loud humming sound of the airship rings in my ears as I gaze at the beautiful, unforgettable sunrise that shines longingly into my eyes. The soft feeling of my mother's hand clinging to mine. I imagine the icy cold rushing over my skin as I swim in the sapphire blue ocean. Loving an idea that um, you're using a metaphor there for the sky and having it as swimming in the ocean. Um, but the, the bit that hooks me in is the soft feeling of my mother's hand clinging to mine, clinging. And it's making me think, why is she clinging? Is she worried about the main character? Is the mother ill? Is she scared? Is it a dangerous setting? beautiful little hook which you barely notice drawing you in 
Some great ideas there, folks, but it is time that we went down to our airship story opening. So underneath comments corner, you've got a rectangular box. Click on that. And the challenge this week is to create a whole story with a little bit each day. So you don't have to finish your story today. We're going to have um, five uh, sections of the story. And tomorrow is uh, Piers Torday. Piers will be with us. He wrote the series The Last Wild, one of our great writers. And then we've got Sophie Anderson, who wrote The House with Chicken Legs and The Bear Who Speaks. On Friday, we have Peter Bunzel. And Thursday, we have still, well, I think I know who it's going to be on uh, Thursday, but I will uh, announce that tomorrow. So here we go. Airship story opening. Now, it doesn't have to be an airship. I'm going to do an airship for my story, but you can choose another form of transport if you wish. I'll read you my story opening, and I've tried to um, pick up on some of the ideas that Thomas was talking about. And then I've got my main characters in the airship. So I'll read it to you. And then um, later on, you can create yours. I'd write it in a notebook, first of all, if it was me, and then post it up into the blog, reread it, uh, and um, then you've got your opening done. So we're just concentrating on the opening today. Airship story opening. Here we go. You've probably been on an airship when the skies are blue and the wind just enough to give the engines a helping hand. Remember how it feels to have the wind blowing through your hair, to see the fields and towns far below and to feel totally free of everyday life. I bet you've enjoyed holiday flights across the bay, journeys to see distant relatives knowing that once you have landed, you'll be able to relax for several weeks. But you should try a trip when the winter winds are sharp as knives with the clouds darkening, for that is another matter. When the thunder explodes like cannon fire around you and the lightning strike would bring the airship down, when the rigging strains and the ship's engines falter, that's when an airship ride is not so much fun. And some say they've seen sky pirates hiding in the clouds waiting to strike. You probably won't believe this, but some say there are flying beasts with claws that can tear apart even the toughest dragon's skin balloon. Ty gripped the railings, his knuckles whitening. He gulped as the clouds engulfed the airship, he glanced at his twin sister, Mariana, who seemed to be enjoying it as the airship lurched from side to side. They had left the city behind about a week ago and should have been passing over the lowlands, but this storm had blown them off course. Captain O'Halligan was driving the engines as hard as she could, but the truth was nobody quite knew where they were. The telescopion showed nothing as the clouds blocked its view. Prepare to land, she barked over the megascope. We need to seek shelter. A moment later, the star grazer dipped below the clouds as air seeped out of the balloon and the engine stilled. They drifted down, buffeted from side to side. But where could they land? So we've got an opening there. I've got it in two sections. First of all, I've tuned the reader in using some of Thomas's techniques. And then all I've got for the actual opening itself is Ty and Mariana, two slightly different characters. And we'll look more at that as we go through the week, characterization. Um, they are obviously in a dangerous situation, a dangerous setting, dangerous weather, and they are being forced in this instance to land. But whereabouts are they going to land? So that is the frame for the opening. And uh, Russell, um, 
any shout outs or quick burst of music before we go to the final audio task thank you very much i have a couple of shout outs very very quickly for me i think most of them will probably have to flow over to ian's show he's back with us at 2 15 today with a live show and he kind of takes some of the overflow there he's broadcasting from its own radio station westwood radio over there um in uh, wiltshire and he'll have to take a few uh, thank you so much indeed for the text message from judith judith if you drop me an email uh, we can look at that in some more detail for you as well but thank you so much indeed lots of folks lots of of, uh, colleagues are uh, offering to help uh, David with the um, approval which is really kind uh, Judith drop us an email on our email account please that would just be fabulous but thank you so much and loads of other folk as well also there Claire also offering thank you very much drop us an email uh, on there as well and we can get back to you that's really kind uh, just so many shout outs here as well uh, on Twitter I don't know really quite where to start uh, hello to Jess Shaw thank you so much indeed uh, uh, Effie and friends absolutely tickled pink they were uh, that they got a shout out on the radio well that's our pleasure we're live we can do that it's not like an english lesson with a pause button folks i can't tell you enough the interactivity is the key element to the success of this brilliant project and thank you so much for making it your go-to activity at 9 30 ian what do you have for us briefly Thank you so much, Russell. Yeah, indeed. 24 minutes to 11 now. Ava J has been in touch. Happy Monday, everyone. Radio Blogging. Thank you very much indeed. Jessica has been in touch as well. Thomas um, saying hello to Mrs. Manning of Abbey CE Primary. Bethany um, says she hasn't read Malamanda yet, but I might try it after today's show. I definitely think you should. Shout out to mum and dad there. Rayan, good morning to you this morning. Also to Isabella Shrisha, a returning listener who has been excited from Malamanda Monday. Absolutely. Also Lucy and Neve, who found a, a mouse in the garden yesterday. Could it be related to Gerald? It was quite small and brown and very cute. Who knows? But more excitement. Rosie, good morning to you. Holly is back for her 22nd time and super excited for today's show. Also Esme as well and Chendor. As Russell says, I have got so many emails and shout outs and messages and I will be delighted to roll them over to this afternoon's show. But for now, I am going to hand back to Pi Corbett. Brilliant. And um, there's so much activity going on. Uh, that my machine, my machine's ground to a halt. <laughs> okay, folks, we're on to the very last little bit, and this is one of our, one of our favourite bits of the day: the extension task. And this particular bit is where you get the opportunity to uh, write something and then perform it, record it, so that we can use it at the beginning of tomorrow's session. And tomorrow's session, we had the great author Paul uh, Piers Torday on. And he will be doing a reading as a tremendous, uh, tremendously insightful um, interview with peers as well. And um, if you look, if you click on the extension task, what we need is airship missing. Because in my second part of my story, I've got my main characters now. They're in a dodgy situation. They've launched off on some sort of exploration and some sort of journey. But they are in a dodgy situation now. And the uh, and we're going to start with the news break. Airship missing. I'll read you mine, and then um, David, if you could talk us through how we actually record. So here we go. This is my model. News break. Airship missing. And I'm going to do the voices, folks. We are interrupting his program to bring you news that the spaceship Stargrazer has gone missing during its first flight under new ownership. The Stargrazer airship was bound for Outer Tragonzia 
on an exploratory trip to find the legendary lost city of Atlantis. Rumours have spread like wildfire that the airship may have been captured by air pirates. Stay tuned to this station for regular updates. I'm handing back to Barry in the newsroom. Barry, can you tell us more? Yes, the Stargrazer was recently purchased by a young explorer named Captain O'Halligan for a bargain price of 100,000 punts. But her crew is inexperienced, as it is feared that they may have been attacked, as you suggest, or may have been blown off course by last week's terrible thunderstorms. More of this story on the six o'clock news. Now we're taking you back to today's episode of Street Vendors. David, how do, how do folks record and perform using that microphone padlet? Oh, I just love your voice, this guy. You can say it's an entire show on its own. Um, yeah, it's great. So, um, yes, the padlets. Um, if the, well, there's been loads of people now uh, doing more and more the audio padlets. I suppose I keep saying the first thing is bravery. Got to have, be brave to have a go. And uh, what some people have been doing is doing it in pairs, a brother or a sister, or even a parent. Uh, we love to get their parents involved on this if they introduce you. Um, but it's exactly the same as creating your normal post-it note. Exactly the same in terms of clicking then the, uh, the pink circle. But before you start writing anything where you would normally write your name, you will see this, uh, the three dots. And once you click on the three dots, you get a list of different options. And either voice you can use to record it, or you can even use an inter um, the video sorry, uh, function, but just make sure that you put your thumb over the camera or something. So it's picking up your voice, not images of you, because when these are checked, if we've got images, um, well, we can't put them on, so we'll take, we won't be able to publish it. So you can follow the examples. Uh, well, there's an example there. You can click play. There are some audio instructions on how to create your Padlet so that if we're off air and you're doing this, you can simply press play and somebody will talk you through how to do it. Uh, any problems, get a parent to contact the show and we'll we'll talk people through how to do that. But it's 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 all about being brave and having a go pie. But we do love hearing these come in, don't we? Oh yes, it really makes the show. And um, Russell tidies them up, as you've heard, puts a little bit of musical background um, to to them, so that your performance sounds really really good. And we will start well right at the beginning at the beginning of tomorrow's show, Russell. We will have a few of these to launch the show off. I'm really looking forward to um, Piers. And I want to thank Thomas for joining in uh, today. I know that he'll go back on later on um, once the furore on the Padlets is over, answer any questions, uh, etc. So thanks very much for doing that, Thomas. And Piers Torday tomorrow, folks. What isn't there to not like? Marvellous stuff. Russell. Are you winding us up now? Yes, I am indeed. It's time for coffee. And if we stay on air, we'll hear your coffee being made before the rest of ours. So we'd like to go and get ours, actually. Uh, listeners, don't forget the fabulous Ian Rocky is back with his Westwood Radio radio show. Said the word radio there twice because he's double good today. And he'll be taking some of our overflow shout outs and text messages onto his show as well. Just come to radioblogging.net and hit the live play button. It'll be at the bottom of the page or at the top. You'll just find it there. It's the 
the orange one you want. And of course, you can listen to this show again just as quickly as we can get it back up onto the website. Thank you so much for bearing with us today. Our site has really taken some serious visitor load today, but it is built for capacity and speed. And we'll get through those as quickly as we possibly can. So stay with us. Don't forget, we're open 24-7. You can come back to us anytime. Listen to the show again. Do the exercises again so you don't have to do them all this morning. But it's a whole lot much more fun. I've learned so much. Thank you to our guest author today, Thomas Taylor, for teaching me about the mechanics of writing a story. I don't think I've learned everything, but I'm off to a great start. We're back here again tomorrow at 9.30. This is week six. And you can tell from our voices we're having a blast of a time. Thanks so much for joining us. Catch you tomorrow at 9.30. Whatever you're doing, stay safe and stay well. Welcome to Radio Blogging, daily shows with interactive activities to keep everyone busy and engaged. Brought to you by Pi Corbett, David Mitchell, Ian Rocky, and Russell Prue. Just listen and blog. It's live, fun, and interactive. And with new educational tasks every day, just head over to radioblogging.net to listen and find out more. 